What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spawn Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and this is episode number 72. In episode number 72, I speak about watching 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. It's a new show. Listening to a dope new podcast that I stumbled upon called Brownsville. Watching Adam Sandler's uh, new movie called Sandy Wexler. And beginning to watch a six-part documentary documentary series titled Time, a Khalif Browder story. If any of that sounds like something you'd be into, stick around and listen to my ranting on it, my take on this stuff. So first up, 13 Reasons Why. As usual, I'm going to spoil a lot of shit, so if you haven't seen it and you plan on on watching the series, uh, skip ahead a few minutes. But the story is, the plot of the story is a high school girl that kills herself. And you find that out straight off the bat. And she leaves behind a series of of recordings. And in these recordings, she details the 13 reasons why she wound up doing what she did, which was taking her own life. So it's dark. I wasn't... um, I guess based on knowing what it was about, it it didn't completely hook me in into like, oh, you know, hell yeah, I want to I want to watch this. Uh, but it did sound somewhat intriguing and my wife wanted to watch it. I, I watched the first couple episodes with her and I felt that from there on out, like pretty much each episode is one of the recordings. And I felt that from there on out, it's more of the same. Not in a not in a redundant sense, but I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't know. To me, I I just felt like I know where this is going. I can, you know, just catch like the last couple episodes, which is what I did. I think I saw like the last like the first two or three, and then like the last three or four uh, with her, and I missed a, a chunk in the middle. But or maybe even more than that, I probably caught like the last five because it started getting like better. I guess not that it was bad. I liked it. I just felt, you know, whatever. Didn't want to watch all 13. I like the fact that it was, it's based on a book by Jay Asher. Um, like I've told you guys in the past, that's like a, a bucket list, you know, unattainable type dream that I have to see something, a book that I write get turned into something that I could watch on the screen, preferably like in a theater or something like that. But obviously uh, being picked up for, for a series would be dope. So that aspect of it is really cool. It was well written, in my opinion. The acting, I thought, by the the main characters, which is Hannah, the girl that killed herself, and Clay, um, was phenomenal, I thought. I had never seen either one of them. And it was like really... Like, I really felt their their performances. So that definitely helped enhance the, the experience of the show. I had a bunch of cool characters... Um, it's a, a high school setting mainly, so it was interesting to kind of see. I like high school movies. Um, my wife does also, and you see the usual archetypes that you used to see, you know, back when you were in school. When I was in school, you know, the nerds, the popular kids, the jocks, the cheerleader type girls, the pretty boys, the the I don't know geeks smart kids uh, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera. You had like the whole gamut, all the, I don't know what the the word I'm looking for is, stereotype, archetype, you know, the usual motherfuckers that you see in high school. You know, you have the goth girl, you have the gay kid, you have the the poor kid, the the rich kid, you know, like the the full gamut. Something that I've always applied, at least in my life, or I've seen applications of throughout my life, is in relation to high school is that everything is high school played out over and over again just with older people so like the clickiness that you see in high school same exact shit exists and you know in the work environment you know in different places of business different groups of friends uh family like different things it's like the same dynamics continue to play out over and over again which is interesting because you like that's your first, I guess, taste of freedom, if you will, if you want to call it freedom, when you first enter high school, because you are not completely treated like a little kid, even though you still are, you know, when you're 15, 15 to 18 or whatever it is, but it's, your world changes, because your world opens up more, much more, uh, compared to, you know, elementary school, obviously, and junior high, once you get into high school, you're surrounded by a lot older people, people that are considered adults, like, let's say seniors, you know, 18 years old. They're, you know, considered legally adults, obviously, but people doing more adult shit, you know, sex, drugs, smoking, drinking, uh, stuff like that. And it's interesting to me. It's always been interesting to me that you get exposed to, to that at such a young age, relatively speaking. And that, again, the same dynamics just continue to play out throughout different facets of your life. But, you know, it's a typical high school movie in that sense that, you know, you have the that the interaction of all those different types of people. Um, and you have this girl at the center of it, which is the new girl in school that transfers and from a different school. And, you know, the usual has no friends, has a hard time assimilating stuff like that and then she just had fucking she as we would say in spanish like she was which literally translates to to she was salty but not like in a you know salty as an angry type of way but she was just like salted just like had bad luck you know she's victim to the two-faced backstabby shit that happens in high school and again throughout fucking life in general and getting her heart broken and liking a guy that likes another girl and and dating a friend's ex and typical teenage bullshit like that um but she she wound up being like hanging out with popular kids and she wanted wanting to be popular and have a lot of friends but then becoming like the butt of of a lot of their jokes and you know long story short being considered like the class slut and just like tape after tape or or episode after episode which again each episode is based on what one of the recordings on a tape that she left behind is dedicated to to each episode is dedicated to a specific tape and a specific reason why she wound up killing herself and it's pretty much 13 different people and how they negatively um affected her, her life and she she described what happened to her, like, you know, notes being passed around about her, you know, being the class slut and 
being stood up for dates and just just like everything went wrong for this girl like from literally being raped spoiler alert to uh you know reaching reaching out in a in a crowded party reaching out to hold hands with the guy that she had a crush on and you know somebody walking by and bumping into them and her not reaching his hand and then you know never you know second guessing herself and not reaching out again to hold his hand you know even to little minute shit like that like shit just didn't work no work out for her no matter what she was clearly like troubled in the head and you know like traumatized uh, about all the stuff i mean you have to be a certain level of traumatized to off yourself right and it's interesting the way that they shot the show is that she's like narrating the show technically by the the main character now which is the guy that she had a crush on and that really had a crush on her back but just couldn't you know find the words a typical shy high school kid couldn't find the words to express that to her um he is one of the people that are replaying these recordings and listening to her again post-mortem explain why she did what she did and and as they're shooting the series they are i feel like i'm doing such a shit job of explaining this as they are shooting the series and she's you know he's listening to the tape and they are showing what she's talking about so it's like a flashback mixed with omniscient narration from her and it melts back and forth between flashback and current time flashback and current time because he's like going to the places that she says you know i went to so-and-so's house for a party and he goes to so-and-so's house at night and he stands outside and he's like envisioning what happened based on what she's saying on on the tapes and they're showing you on you know on the screen um everything that she's saying so it's pretty pretty cool and the way that they shot it a big takeaway that I got from the show is towards the, it's definitely the last episode. I think it's the very last scene, uh, but I could be wrong on it. It could be close to the very last scene. It could be like the first uh, like false ending. And uh, Clay Jensen, which is the main character, the guy that I just mentioned, he's speaking to the counselor in the school and says you know, as a frustrated teen that, you know, went through this traumatic experience of, of this girl that, that he loved killing herself says, and like reliving her story pretty much says to the counselor quote, somehow the way we treat each other has to get better end quote. And that's obviously, you know, taken like within the scope of, of the show obviously has to do with, you know, the way, um, like, the fellow student body or whatever and the people involved and stuff like that treat each other has to get better, but on a larger level, applicable, obviously, to just, like, human beings in the world. I appreciate how they showed the immediacy of, well, like, right after he said that, he left the office and he goes into the hallway and like immediately implements his own sentiment like it's not like he decides to practice what he preaches like right there and then in that moment because he knows that 
moments are fleeting and you could you know lose people at any minute and he didn't just want it to be like lip service and he sees a girl that he used to be friends with and she's like the goth girl and when they got to high school they drifted apart and and i guess he wasn't like at school with her it was just like high and by type shit kind of ignored her and he was more of like a not a, a preppy popular kid but definitely not like a goth kid and he seemed to be more of the you know cool with everybody type kid and he sees her and like stops her and asks her like how she's doing and i feel that things like that like that that was cool for me to see like that immediacy of it and things like that that we say or that we changes that we want to see you know it's like that cheesy but true saying of be the change that you want to see in the world it's like don't don't just stop with the somehow the way we treat each other has to get better you know actually do it just start treating people better and he did that with her for example then a second big takeaway for me was her reciprocation which ties into hannah the girl that that killed herself in my opinion and just the whole underlying uh through line uh you know throughout the film which is to me um being able to express yourself for example she was thrown off a bit by you know him asking her if she's okay because you know they hadn't spoken in a long time and and like that and he asked you know if they could go hang out or whatever you know ditch and like go somewhere and just like talk and chill or whatever and she asked if he's okay he says no um, which was you know forthcoming and honest of him and then he asked her is that okay you know that i'm not okay and she said yeah and that to me signifies like that acceptance and like that being okay with understanding and accepting and being accepting of other people's feelings and shit that they may be going through and different emotions that they express and like that is super important to of a message to like put out there especially like within i guess that target audience of you know younger like high school kids and stuff like that and show them how when you isolate yourself too much or if you're going through some shit and you don't ask for help that shit's unhealthy you need outlets you need hobbies you need me personally i i've always been someone to i'm very like introverted into myself and stuff like that aside from the fact that i've recorded 72 out fucking podcasts and put them out for the world to listen to <laughs> um i'm very introverted to myself and and honestly before getting into podcasting and writing um these have been like the perfect outlets for me because they're like introverted personal individual hobbies but that allow me to express myself how and when i want and we all need that type of release it's it's uh, you know i've told you guys at nauseam that you know this type of thing is like cathartic to me and it's it's like my meditation my my uh, therapy or whatever you want to call it and everybody has their own version of you know what i mean and for someone like like hannah in Hannah's case, in the show, like, she didn't have, like, shit to, to release, and when you're in high school, 
like that's your world you know like somebody just fucking teases you in school or something like that that's fucking like scarring and that's like oh my god the whole school knows about this this and that and it's like the end of the world you know what i mean and you don't realize you don't have the foresight to realize that it's just high school and it boils down to you know petty high school bullshit which again in a lot of ways spills over to other other time periods in your life when you experience similar things but at different levels whether it's in the workplace or whatever it's still that you know petty type of bullshit like it's never that serious to like kill yourself i think in my opinion but it's important to like look for for signs of people that that express being troubled and you know you know i'm i'm not a fucking trained psychologist or anything like that so i can't tell you exactly what to look for but just generally just being there for people you know talking to them and 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 again just being accepting of who they are and being with them when you're with them and or rather uh being present when you're with them not making it like a negative or confrontational vibe when you're chilling with them and like stuff little things like that go go a long way i think and if her character had more of that i feel um from a friend from a boyfriend from her parents which were preoccupied you know they loved her or whatever but they were preoccupied with with uh financial troubles and you know they had a pharmacy that they were running and they were like in the red and they were very preoccupied with that didn't really you know spend time where with with their daughter and stuff at least uh within the time period that they showed us in the show um if she just had that from somebody uh things probably could have worked out differently but anyway that is my takeaway on the show again it's called 13 reasons why and it is currently on netflix brownsville brownsville is a place in brooklyn bronzeville is a dope new podcast that i feel that you're either gonna love it or love it but being realistic (laughs) you're gonna love it or hate it it's gonna be a uh, probably a polarizing one for you guys for me i loved it i listened to it twice the entire series um season one of it is available it dropped in february and it, it was dropping like on a weekly basis and it is all 10 10 episodes are make up the full full season one and each episode is about 45 minutes long it's based on a true story it's a period piece out of 1940s south side chicago post al capone like after al capone died right after and it's a story of an of an affluent, vibrant neighborhood called Bronzeville in the south side of Chicago that was fueled by organized crime, but not of like the Al Capone regime. It was a like uh, black owned, black operated, black run neighborhood. The um in a time when there was still a lot of racial tension uh it's post jim crow um you know in the north but not too far removed 
from all that bullshit. And it, it, the way they did it is they absolutely did not skimp on, on production quality. They call it a theater of the mind or a theater for the mind. And it 100% was. I feel that, I mean, you guys know, take this with a grain of salt because I'm biased as fuck. And I think podcasts have the ability to fucking change the world in ways that I wouldn't even know how to explain. So that said, fuck, where was I going with that? I just lost my train of thought. Um, Podcasts are the shit. And it's dope even in this sense that podcasts are audio, obviously, right? I mean, you have some video podcasts and stuff like that, but primarily audio like you know 90 90 of podcasts are are listened to versus watched and even the the video podcasts you can just listen to the audio versions of it's interesting in the sense that it's like advanced technology quote-unquote in the sense that you know it's available by your fingertips you know there's so many outlets um and different ways that you can consume podcasts but it's like in an old concept right like a radio concept that was like pre-television times and part of me yeah i like i like that the juxtaposition between like that futuristic type of technology mixed with this like visceral connection to the past of listening to something like bronzeville that's a theater for the mind i envision like like ralphie and randy in front of the radio listening to little orphan annie shows you know what i mean before uh tvs were a thing and it's kind of like that type of experience and and that's pretty dope to me so it's a really cool story like i said and uh there's definitely going to be a season two um because i I believe it's a, a pretty popular um show and it is and they left it off you know unfinished so it should definitely be a season two. Um, but a really dope thing about this too is aside from the production quality being sick and this just being like a new type of thing, it's not like serial, it's not like this podcast. Um, because obviously the sponsored podcast is in its own stratosphere of awesome, right? Um, it's it's like its own thing altogether, like it really is like a theater of the mind, it's like you're watching a show. Um, and it was actually pitched as a show, as a TV show. And I'm leaving the best part for last. But it was pitched as a as a TV show. And supposedly there was a lot of interest behind it. Um, but obviously not enough to make it into a TV show. But the story was so rich and so, so dope that they wanted to tell it somehow. They decided to release it as a podcast. Which is validating for podcasts in and of themselves. Um, that they're getting this type of... Uh, it's becoming like such a viable outlet. The sickest part is the people that are behind it. It's a star studded cast. And I'm just going to rattle off a few of the names. Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. Morpheus is in it. He's, and I think he's a, he's a producer of it, uh, directed a couple episodes of it. And you know, he's in it as an actor. Lorenz Tate is in it, which is a dope actor. And is a motherfucking vampire. I don't care what anybody says. That dude hasn't aged since fucking Menace to Society. He looks exactly the same. You have uh, 
Tika Sumter, Omari Hardwick, Wood Harris, my man, uh, fucking Avon Barksdale from The Wire, uh, Lance Reddick, which is Lieutenant Daniels uh, from The Wire, Brittany Snow, and oh, they actually described the show in an article that I read as a cross between Boardwalk Empire and The Wire, which is a pretty dope, uh, pretty pretty close um, uh, comparison there. So if you're into any of those shows, you might be into this, especially if you're into podcasts. And just if you're into podcasting, you, you haven't seen those shows or not into those types of shows, just give it a shot just as a as a just a dope new innovative way that the platform of podcasts are being used to tell stories. Again, it's called Bronzeville. Spelled B-R-O-N-Z-E-V-I-L-L-E. I will link to an article about the show. In the episode notes, as well as to the actual uh, links where you guys could find the podcast either on iTunes or Stitcher. If not, you know, just search. If you listen on a different platform, just search uh, for Bronzeville and it'll it'll definitely pop up. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Sandy Wexler. So this movie has gotten shit reviews. And... I don't know if I'm a contrarian or what it is, but I thought it was good. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It's in Adam Sand- it's Adam Sandler's uh latest movie that's on Netflix. And I think it got like uh I saw somewhere like a one and a half star review and two stars and Ryan Tomatoes score is horrible and people that I've spoken to have have told me that it sucked, but I liked it. And I think the problem is that just because it's Adam Sandler, we expect expect it to be a comedy. And I don't think that's what the angle was with this one. I mean, it had funny parts. It was funny. Um, it's probably in the comedy section for the same reason. You know, it's fucking an Adam Sandler movie. It definitely had uh, you know, a handful of funny parts. But to me, that's like the B story. You know, the, the funny aspects of it was the, the B story to the whole thing. And to me, and I could be way off, obviously, but whatever. It's just my opinion. Um, you know, we're all we're all multifaceted people. And it must be frustrating for someone that's good at something, you know, making people laugh and telling jokes and shit like that, that they get pigeonholed into just that. And whenever they try to do something else, something different, they're like, hey, wait, that's not that's not the funny stuff and oh this wasn't as funny as your other stuff and i feel that from like if i was in adam sandler's shoes i would be like it wasn't meant like i didn't mean it to fucking be funny i'm a funny person or whatever so funny moments come out and shit like that but like my to me it was just a story of sandy wexler who was meant to be depicted as the antithesis antithesis of the typical hollywood douchebag agent talent manager guy that we all think of when we think of the typical hollywood agent manager guy you know a douchebag scumbag sleazeball kind of character and this sandy wexler guy although he had his his flaws mainly and probably most annoyingly to me the way he he ate (laughs) uh super sloppy and 
you know, lied or, or like told people just what they wanted to hear and stuff like that. I think that the movie showed that you could stick to your guns. You could be who you are and still make it to where you want to go, to where you want to be, to, you know, even if you're playing within the confines of Hollywood that has its, you know, rules and and ways that people are supposed to act and glamour and this and that and posh and blah, 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 and like all that type of bullshit. Sandy Wexler was a middle-aged Jew that, you know, just cared about his clients, wanted the best for them, and did what he could to get them where they wanted to be and took on clients that he felt weren't pieces of shit and hustled and worked worked hard for them. And to me, that was the main takeaway of the movie. Be you. We all have flaws. You don't have to sell your soul to to make it you can make it on your own terms and that's not to say that you know there's no that you don't have to be dynamic and open-minded and stuff like that obviously that helps but it's not to say also that you have to sell your soul and you have to be cutthroat and fuck people over and be that dude in order to make it in hollywood or make it in whatever the fuck it is that you're into do what you want to do because you want to be doing it and do it how you want to do it. If not, it's not worth it. Right? I mean, think about it. If, if like, I'll, I'll take me for example. If I started, you know, writing things that I wasn't into or that didn't interest me, I wouldn't want to do it. Even if they were, like, more popular or whatever. If I started doing, you know, 15 minute long podcasts on how to make money off Google, how to make money, you know, like all those, like, get rich quick, schemey type of of you know like clickbait type of things that that would make more money than you know the podcast makes now i wouldn't want it it wouldn't be worth it i don't want it that way i want it my way or not at all and i think that's that was at least my main takeaway from the sandy wexler movie so if you go into it with an open mind and you don't go into it you know, looking to see the funniest movie that you've seen all year type of thing. I think that you will find the movie enjoyable. Time, a Khalif Browder story. I heard about this documentary on a podcast. Shout out to uh, Brooke of the Actual Innocence podcast that did a, 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 I'm not sure if they put it out on all of their podcasts, but it was like a four- four different podcasts like Rabia uh, Chowdhury from the Undisclosed podcast which was the person that reached out to Sarah Koenig regarding the Adnan Syed story and she was in she was part of the serial podcast and in terms of you know she came out in it she was uh, the attorney friend of Adnan Syed uh, she has her own podcast and there were two other ones I forget but they them four came together and and did a panel on Brooks actual innocence podcast, which I've mentioned in the past. And they were speaking about the, this documentary and Khalif Browder, for those of you that don't know, is a young man that was incarcerated here in New York at Rikers Island. 
for three years without going to trial. He spent, out of the 900 some odd days that that he was awaiting trial before wound up getting dismissed because they had nothing on him and what he was accused of, which was stealing a book bag, um, never happened. Technically, he broke uh, parole by getting arrested for that crime of that he never committed of stealing a book bag. And um, because of that, uh, he was arrested, but wound up getting dismissed after after the three years. Anyway, two of uh, of the years or like six hundred some odd days he spent in solitary confinement. Now the UN, which is obviously a separate entity in and of itself, but I think it helps add some important context uh, to the story and something that I highlighted from from watching it and listening to the podcast is that the UN designated uh, being in solitary confinement as torture after 15 days. 15 days, 1-5. They consider it torture. Like akin to waterboarding motherfuckers, which is illegal in war. And this dude was in solitary for 200 plus days. He did a stretch of like 10 months straight, came out, and went back in and did another stretch of 14 months straight. The documentary does an awesome job of pointing out the uh, psychological ramifications as something being exposed to something like that has on people and how it literally drives people crazy being in solitaire and psychologists uh, reference like different studies that were done literally showing that it drives people crazy it's like it's a mind-altering experience being in solitary after a certain amount of time and this was a kid again that was uh, 16 if i'm not mistaken when he when he got locked up and like before he was on he was on probate he's from the bronx he was from the bronx and he was on probation uh because he went on a joyride on a uh when his friends stole the bread truck or something like that like somebody was delivering bread and they jumped in and drove it around the block or whatever they took a joyride they drove it around and he got arrested for that and was on probation and then this whole book bag thing happened a couple years later a year or two later and that's what landed him in jail and he was a a small kid um you know short skinny but tough and like a smart aleck you know, he would talk back to the guards, he would talk back to other inmates and stuff like that. He got into tons of fights. He got jumped a lot. There's videos, if you guys remember, you know, it was a, a national story. Uh, he wound up being on, like, Rosie Perez on on The View. Um, he was on Bloomberg. I remember seeing him on Bloomberg, actually. Um, Jay-Z is a co-producer of the show and actually said that that uh Khalif was is a uh a modern day prophet and that this story is important to be told and uh just because of all the uh negative shit that gets covered up that happens within our prison system and this story is one that made significant ripples and got national attention and actually Rikers Island this year they decided to that it's going to be closed I don't know exactly when I think it's like 2018 or 2019 but it's going to be closed 
and stories like this, you know, help that along. Unfortunately, um, Khalif, when he came out, finally, um, when because the big thing with him was that he didn't want to take a plea deal because he maintained his innocence all along. And one of the issues with our criminal just, justice system, the way it's set up, is that the system is incentivized by convictions. And this ties into the the war on drugs that I've spoken about in the past, the failed war on drugs that I've spoken about in, in the past. Police officers being incentivized to arrest people, you know, privatized prisons, not that Rikers is one, but just that that culture in and of itself. It ties into all that shit. But he didn't want to take a plea, which would be, you know, uh, pretty much saying, yes, I'm guilty of, of this. And they say, OK, we're not going to charge you with this. We're going to, you know, you're you're pleading guilty to a misdemeanor and then you get out with, you know, X amount of time probation instead of having to stay in jail or whatever. Um, he didn't want to take that plea because he maintained again, he maintained his innocence the entire time. And that wound up having his case postponed um, time and time again, which was my biggest beef with this whole thing. Um, his case kept getting postponed and postponed, uh, because the, the prosecution was buying time pretty much because they knew they had shit. Now they, when you get arrested, you have the right to a speedy trial and speedy trial is defined mainly as a six month, um, time period. You have to be seen by a judge and judged by uh what's it called uh a court of your peers or whatever uh within a six-month period rikers island is a jail not a prison so rikers is kind of like a temporary stay type of thing where you know people go ideally you know six months you're there and you see a judge, you're not guilty, go home, you're guilty, you get sent off upstate to a prison to serve your sentence. But then you have cases like Khalif Browder's where he winds up staying for three years in Rikers. And why is this? Because of, again, my biggest gripe with this entire system, or in this case uh, in particular, is that in the, within the state of New York, that six-month uh, speedy trial, that uh, time constraint that you, you know, as, as a citizen have a right to, as a fucking human being have a right to, the is riddled with bureaucratic bullshit. They explain in the documentary that the time that you're, that you're serving, that you're waiting pretty much for your trial, doesn't count towards that that six-month speedy trial clock when certain uh, conditions are met, like certain uh, little loopholes that the, that they use um, happen, such as like postponing because the witness yeah, can't appear on a certain day, so they postpone it for a few weeks or a couple months, or, or if uh, there's no available courtrooms because there's such a backlog of cases to be heard or listened to that... They can't coordinate the 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 judge and the court to settle on on a date to meet, so it gets pushed. And 
bullshit like that to buy time um which is what the prosecution was doing it for because they because the witness that they had the quote-unquote eyewitness had left to mexico and was nowhere to be found and they couldn't get in touch with him so they you know would say that they you know yeah you know he'll be here in, in two months they get a judge uh the judge sees it and sees the case and when the case comes up they say oh you know i couldn't produce my my witness today can we get a postponement the judge usually usually grants that and then you know three months later they see them again and those three months don't count towards that that six month speedy trial clock thing and it's absolute bullshit and you know you have a different judge each time and you know they don't judges are saying you know 70 cases a day and especially in the bronx that has a huge backlog supposedly one of the worst in the in the entire country of cases and then these people that are, that are calling the middle get fucked like people like Khalif Browder. And it's like, to me, like that rule shouldn't exist. Like whatever the reasoning behind it was initially, uh, whatever, you know, courtroom logic, lawyery bullshit, that shouldn't exist. If, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. You can't, don't tell me I have six months, uh, six, you know, within six months, I have the right to a speedy trial, etc. Except with this caveat, except if we can't find the room to see you in, except if, uh, you know, so-and-so doesn't show up. Like, no, you, six months means six months, period. That's the way it should be. Not six months, but it could be three years. Like, no, motherfucker. If there's rules, the rules have to be followed. And if the rules that you, you created within the institution aren't in line and aren't working aren't gelling aren't flowing with the system the way it's supposed to the burden shouldn't be on me i shouldn't have to wait three years because you can't get your shit together and you're clogging up the system with non-violent crimes and uh, you're arresting people for fucking dime bags of weed and creating a situation where public defenders have to go through caseload after case have more cases than than huge law firms deal with just for one fucking public defender so they literally can't care even if they wanted to and then judges are seeing you know 70 cases a day and you're creating this environment this system where that six month guarantee that i have quote-unquote guarantee under the constitution or whatever the fuck isn't true isn't valid so you can't it shouldn't be that way and i'm not naive i'm not i'm not I know there's bad people out there, but I know there's there's good people out there too that just get caught up in petty bullshit like taking a joyride at fucking 15 years old on a fucking bread truck and then walking home from a party and, and some scared kid that got robbed, uh, you know, pointing you out in the street to a police officer saying it was him, it was him because, you know, there's another black guy and, you know, you wind up serving three years two years in solitary and he literally got out and was in school and and got his gd and and went to college he was in a uh, bcc bronx community college and had a 3.56 gpa or something like that and but just was completely troubled and traumatized from the whole jail experience and shit like that that he wound up killing himself this kid and this might be like an extreme situation, you know, it can be like, uh, you know, this exact thing happens every single day because maybe not to this extent, but it does happen far too often than it should. And again, it's based off of a system that's broken. You can't continue forcing shit through this broken system.
that shouldn't be that way. That's not efficient. That's not. And look, I'm, I'm not like a, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a, you know, tree hugging, hippy dippy. Everybody's great. Love everybody. Let everybody be free. No jail type of fucking dude or something like that. When it comes to violent crimes, when it comes to rapists, murderers, fucking the worst of the worst, motherfuckers that are convicted of, you know, without a doubt, 100% convicted of shit. You know, DNA evidence, like a rapist or whatever. Motherfuckers like that, to me, should literally be like draped in the American flag and dropped in the middle of an ISIS training camp, let their heads get sawed off and mailed to their mothers. Like literally, they're like piece of shit human beings that shouldn't exist. I'm a thousand percent for that. But then on the flip side, when you have nonviolent crimes and just a situation, a, a machine that allows the Khalif Browder story to even exist, that shouldn't be. That has to be fixed. That has to be changed. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I know the system gets it right more times than it gets it wrong. But that can't be where we stop. That can't be like, eh, it's right more times than, you know, more often than not. So whatever. It's good enough. Like, no, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for that kid that lost his life, for others that have lost their lives, for that kid's mother that lost a son for his brothers and sister that lost a brother for the hundreds or thousands that are wrongly accused and convicted and caught up in the same type of bullshit now currently right now today within our our flawed system it's not good enough for those people and it absolutely shouldn't be good enough for for any of us it's sad fucking story man and to me, it's like the fixes aren't that, that it's not like we have to like redesign the entire, you know, blow up the entire system and, and, you know, redesign the whole, the whole thing and change the consciousness of an entire country. And like, nah, change little shit. Like the, the fact that, uh, like legal aid, uh, representatives are, they're incentivized not by the conviction rates or, or, or the amount of people that they get off, they're incentivized by the quantity of cases that they close, like either way. So if you change that, if you align their incentives differently, say incentivize, you know, based on how many people they get off or disincentivize plea deals, you eliminate that that systemic inclination to go towards copying a plea deal, especially to young kids that don't understand, you know, they just see in front of them, go to jail for two years or go home right now. Uh, but if you go home right now, you're going to have this on your record for the rest of your life. And you're going to be on parole for five years. And if you get the glimpse of being arrested within those five years, even if it's something that you don't do, you might wind up in solitary for two years straight. You know what I mean? Like change little things like that. Like it's like frustrating because it seems so obvious, like such obvious fixes. And it's just, I, clouded by like bureaucratic bullshit and you know it's been done like this since 1770 like fuck 1770 whatever the fuck it shouldn't be done like that anymore it doesn't work not as well as it should 
but whatever guys check it out for yourself again it's called time a khalif browder story it aired on spike it's co-produced by jay-z and you, if you google it you could probably watch it online in a bunch of places i actually didn't know spike has you can go to spike.com and watch it on there you just have to log in with your credentials from your own like you know time warner or spectrum or um dish network like whatever your cable provider is like log in at spike.com and you could you know watch it on there it's a seven part documentary series six or seven i think it's seven actually seven part documentary series and um each episode is like 45 minutes to an hour long and they break down the the entire thing it's definitely worth the watch and i recommend it to you guys lastly uh speaking of making change or attempting to i don't know if you guys remember uh, a while back a few episodes back of the sponsored podcast i mentioned how a professor a college professor of mine told me about an event that my old college was having baruch shout out to baruch that uh where like an ex uh, current cop and and or like an assistant da or something like that we're gonna go speak at the school about police violence and to spread awareness etc cetera, etc cetera. um in that episode within that episode i had like an not an epiphany but just like an idea that came up off the off the top of the dome regarding um police officers you know going door knocking within the jurisdiction of their police precincts and giving out flyers, um, informational flyers of, you know, what to do when they get pulled over, when people get pulled over, and uh, just to spread awareness in that way, you know, kind of give that that in-person, kind of get that in-person connection, reintroduce the, the vibe of police officers being part of a community. You know, I feel like it's, it's, gotten to a point where it's like an us versus them type of mentality and you know you don't have that like friendly type of positive relationship with a police officer that you see in like cheesy movies or whatever and you definitely don't have it in a lot of neighborhoods where we hear about like police shootings and stuff and it's a corny thought or idea but i think it could be an effective one um I think that having that type of non-aggressive presence in the neighborhood, you know, spreading information, having a personal, like, for example, I had a, a lot, a lot of door knocking experience back in the day by volunteering on a, a couple of political campaigns. And you, you know, go door to door and you meet different people and you speak to them, you conversate with them. They tell you about their day. They tell you about their issues. They tell you, uh, you know, about their interest. You have conversations with people. You get to know people. And I think that dialogue, that exchange, just opening up the conversation instead of just having this, this preconceived notions and us versus them type of mentality could be something productive within a lot of communities. And having that positive presence again as opposed to an antagonistic one um just having a presence in general with you know in and of itself thwart some crime and violence and stuff like that you know there's a police officer walking around handing out flyers you know motherfuckers aren't going to be 
doing dirt to out in the open you know um aside from the obvious benefits that that i just mentioned and it's a it, it could be a good uh from the perspective of police officers it could be a good option for let's say a police officer that's injured in the line of duty um and you know has a has to be has to do only desk work like for example and that's my short story which i wrote called nostranav go to sponsor.com forward slash short stories forward slash nostranav to read that story and you know in that story there was a cop that had a tussle with someone and wound up getting shot and paralyzed from the waist down and had to you know work in the precinct maybe not to 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 that extent you know go door knocking with a wheelchair but you know other officers that are either older and and you know can't put in the work that you want you know young vibrant officers to be doing could do shit like this which helps the community and you know gives them something to do as well and it just doesn't have to be you know what to do when you get pulled over it could be for you know anything that they come up with down the line but it kind of like starts you know cops shooting people and and stories like that that were prevalent in the news for the last couple of years was fresh in my mind when when i had the idea and that's the first um first thing that came to mind but it could also be used by like fire departments spreading you know information on you know checking your smoke detectors and how often they should do it and you know going by and asking people you know do you want us to you know check it for you um you know informing people of the most common occurrence of fires in the united states is apparently uh stove related fires like cooking related fires and you know let people know hey you should have a fucking fire extinguisher handy within the kitchen because odds are that's where the fire is going to start etc etc like shit like that you know it could be uh this idea of door knocking by agencies or precincts um you know city agencies or whatever um might be a positive thing anyway long story short i actually brought that idea full circle to fruition in that i created the pamphlet as well as a detailed plan on how it should be executed like from you know what website the pre the individual precinct should go to to find uh, its exact uh jurisdiction and then how to zoom in and print out uh, a specific grid and then go door knocking within that grid and and my plan is to send that out to my congressman the 52 i believe city council members um a few like local precincts and just see if it goes somewhere it's a long shot probably not but i like doing shit like that like you know putting together like procedural uh things like i do a lot of that at work actually and things like that have actually been helpful to a lot of people within my organization and um i just thought again like with the whole trying to make change and asking for it type of thing you know let's why not give it a shot you know start with ourselves and and exercise our civic duties and see if it goes anywhere anyway I'm going to do a video podcast extra and show, you know, the actual pamphlet to you guys. And, um, 
I'll definitely let you know if it actually gets anywhere, if it goes anywhere, which again is a long shot and probably not, but you know, maybe it'll spark the idea, a related idea within the city council or, or the mayor's office or the public advocate's office, you know, maybe it'll get to someone that sparks and it sparks off like an idea that leads to something else that's positive, uh, which would be cool. Who knows? But regardless, I'll keep you guys posted on that on if it ever gets anywhere. And either way, what I'm going to do as well, and I'll explain this on the podcast extra that I'll do probably for next week, or if not, you know, look out for it within the next couple of weeks, uh, the video podcast extra. I'll also show you guys where it's going to be posted on my website, where anybody can feel free to to grab it, download it, and, you know, I'll show you guys, like, how to look up who your congressman is and who your city council person is and, and whatever, you know, wherever you are in the country. You guys can e- email it to, like, your representatives as well. And let's see if we infiltrate from the bottom up, you know, and cause some shit to fucking change for the better. But whatever. I thought that was kind of cool that I actually completed something or, like, an idea like that that just came up like spur of the moment uh, while podcasting. So I wanted to share it with you fine folks. That said, that is the episode, episode number 72 of the Spun Today podcast. And if you guys want to stick around for a couple more minutes, listen to some tunes in the background, and I will let you know on a few different ways that you can help support the podcast. If not, if you want to peace out, peace. And I'll check you guys out next time. A couple ways you can help support the podcast is by subscribing to my newsletter. I have a weekly newsletter that goes out called the Midday Monday Boost Letter. Its intent is to boost your Mondays, boost your morale on Mondays at noon when you're probably feeling like shit and at work like I am. And uh, it consists of five things. And you can check out what those five things are by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. There you can check out the back catalog of the Midday Monday Boost letter towards the bottom of the page. And you can drop your email address in and sign up to receive the very next one. If you enjoy them, you can feel free to share them with your, your friends and family and tell them to sign up as well. And if you don't like them, unsubscribe at any time another way you can help support the podcast is by filling out my five question questionnaire and it's a questionnaire that's geared towards writers and creatives and if you answer the five questions on there which is you know related to your craft and other hobbies that you may have i will read your your responses on the podcast on a future episode of the spot today podcast and the purpose of this questionnaire just to you know share a bit about yourself and you know plug your own shit whatever you have going on your blog your books your movies your scripts whatever it is that you're working on and also share some insight into like some tips and tricks on on your craft something that could be helpful to other people in pursuing whatever it is that they're pursuing you can check out the photos on my page um i like taking photo. uh you know, quote unquote photography, uh, pictures of shit that I think looks pretty dope. And I share with you guys 
on that section of the website which is sponsor.com forward slash photography and if you guys like any of them feel free to to uh, download any of the photos for free you can also help support me by buying my book i wrote a book called make way for you tips for getting out of your own way to hear all about it and to listen to some audio excerpts of the book go to spuntray.com forward slash books and check it all out also if you it's available wherever wherever ebooks are sold uh, you can also purchase a paperback copy via amazon and if you want a free pdf download of it right there at that website at that link spuntray.com forward slash books drop in your email address and i will shoot you a copy right over i would really appreciate it if you guys would rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen to whether it's itunes stitcher tune in radio google play iHeartRadio, on youtube all that good shit subscribe rate and review the podcast it would be greatly appreciated you can help support the podcast financially by shopping on amazon and using my amazon portal or any of my other affiliate links which is located at spontray.com forward slash affiliate links there you will find all the banners that you can just click on it takes you to the respective website and you do your shopping like you normally do and it does not cost you anything extra You'll also find things like my viral style store, which is where you can buy uh, some uh, Spun Today gear, Spun Today tees, or coffee mugs, etc., etc. Check it out at spuntoday.com forward slash affiliate links. I got a dope new shirt out, which I actually got mine today in the mail that says podcasts versus everybody. Check it out pretty dope available in many 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 different colors what else like the facebook fan page facebook.com forward slash spun today follow me on twitter and instagram at spun today and i believe that's it folks as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening